your farm and your future matter to us. Welcome to Dairy Stream, a podcast focusing on opportunities and challenges impacting the future of dairy. This podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations fighting for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Joanna Guza. There is no doubt that securing a reliable and sustainable workforce in today's agricultural industry is a challenge. At the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, we see the challenge and continue to bring you experts and resource through the Dairy Stream podcast. Today, our focus is on learning Spanish and the impact it could have on your farm. Our guests today are Katie Dodditer. She's the founder and instructor of Advocate LLC Agriculture Education. She grew up on a dairy farm in central Pennsylvania and has a degree in business management and marketing, secondary education, Spanish, and certified in ESL. Probably went to school for 10 years. <laughs> We're excited to, to have you here. She also develops online Spanish courses that are tailored specifically to agriculture. Also with us is Walt Moore. He is the president and general manager of Walmore Holsteins. Uh, his family farm has been operating for over 113 years in Pennsylvania. They milk 1,050 cows, raise 880 replacement young stock, and have 100 Wagyu crosses along with farming 1,700 acres. He employs 15 full-time employees and has several part-time employees. So two really great guests that we have with us today on Dairy Stream. In this first part, we're going to focus in on how learning Spanish has improved their farms and from Katie's perspective, the people that she has worked with and how it's improved their farms. And then after the break, we're going to dive into where to start. Uh, with learning Spanish. So Katie, if you could start off just from the farmers and industry professionals that you have worked with and that have come through your course, what impact have they shared with you in regards to learning Spanish? One of my favorite stories, one of, a great example of this is, um, first off, I just want everybody to know that my students are from coast to coast, California to Delaware to Canada. They're farmers, they're veterinarians, pharmaceutical reps, milk testers. So this example comes from a milk tester who took my course, gosh, three, four years ago. And she emailed me, she's like, hey, did I have to tell you what happened? And she wasn't even halfway through my course. And she said, I go to this, uh, she's a milk tester in Wisconsin. And she would go to this uh, large dairy, you know, to test milk. And she said, before it was, I went in there, they did their job, I did my job, and that was it. Like we just went our separate ways, did what we needed to do. And she said, I took your advice and I just went in and I, I greeted them with buenos dias, which is just simply good morning. And she's like, they lit up like, oh my gosh, you're, you're learning, you know, Spanish. She said, I never had more fun testing milk. She said mm. throughout that entire shift. So this is a large dairy. So she was there about five, six hours so while they're working together. She's like, they're teaching me more Spanish. I'm teaching them English. We just had such a good time. Well, the, the best part of this story is during this time, there was a snow, a blizzard that came through mm. and so there's mounds of snow in our car. And she said, I went out to load my milk samples and the entire crew had already cleaned my car off. And I said, you realize the amount of respect that you garnered just within that one shift. And she's like, I never knew this was going to make this much of an impact. So I love sharing that with people because, I mean, she wasn't even halfway through my course. And so that, that's just one thing. It's just, it's building that respect and that relationship with Spanish speakers. 
that strong relationship that she has now when she goes back to the farm. And I always think sometimes, too, we're, we're human. We could run into a problem, whether that's the blizzard or other items that come up. But then at least you have some people that got your back, especially if you're an industry professional that's going out by yourself. Walt, from your experience, what impact has learning Spanish had for you and your farm? Very similar. Um, I actually took Katie's class. I had Spanish, a little bit of Spanish in high school and took one other class since since high school and, you know, just a night class to try and get myself more versed in Spanish as we added more and more of our crew was was uh, native Spanish speakers. And and it just opening that door is, like Katie said, so simple to just say, good morning, how are you doing? How's your family? Just take that extra couple minutes and, and just allow them to tell you, you know, and just say, and, and, you know, and it's reciprocated. Oh, how are you doing? You know, what's going on with you? And, and little things, you know, like if it's a holiday or whatever, you know, talk about the holiday and maybe a little bit about, you know, what their holiday would be like from where they're from and those kind of things. And it's just, just open that door of communication and just opens that respect and caring, I think. And that they, they know you care that you make an effort to say, Hey, how are you? That's really reciprocated in how they perform at the job and, and just, just that whole culture within the farm. And Walt, so one thing I know we're going to dive into like the physical part of learning Spanish, but when you first started learning it, what about the vulnerability of like mispronouncing something or or you say something and it was out of context. I mean, I'm sure you get some laughs, but can you speak to maybe that like nervousness or anxiousness you might have felt when you first started speaking it? And or even sometimes I feel like I've worried, am I going to offend them if I walk in and all of a sudden start speaking Spanish, but I'm not a fluent Spanish speaker? Yeah, there's always that risk, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I guess I've just learned. I know I can't speak it as well as them. I know I have a an accent. When we get a new hire, a lot of times they look at me like, am I even speaking Spanish? You know, so, you know, then I go back and say, okay, let's try that again. But yes, definitely laugh. And sometimes the guys are like, what? And we'll say it like three times. And then we finally figure out what I'm talking about, <laughs> things like that. So definitely a risk. I, I remember the very first employee we had that was Spanish speaking. He had been in the United States for about 15 years and worked somewhere else. And he would not speak one word of English. And it was because when he tried, his peers teased him. And I thought, I'm not going to go there. That was a life lesson. And I will say, you know, often I'll, now I'll say, hey, what is this word? Like if I, if I can physically point to it or something, you know, if I don't know it. And, and, and then I'll say it in English to them. And, we, you know, it's kind of both, you know, it's trying to learn the word both ways, which is pretty neat. So mm-hmm. I guess just be willing to laugh at yourself and, and take the risk. So <laughs> right, the reward is bigger <laughs> than the risk. And Walt, one thing I want to talk about, too, is the employee turnover and even just having a sustainable workforce has been a challenge for dairy farms across the United States. Has learning Spanish impacted your employee turnover rate? I would say in general, it has is, is helped us. I mean, I can could cite numerous examples where maybe at a, a level higher than I can speak, but getting a, a person that is completely fluent in when we've had a challenge or something that's really not working for an employee, you know, how men have that conversation and say, hey, what, they're, they're frustrated, they're ready to quit or whatever, and say, you know, we'll talk through this. And so often, a lot of us, it comes down to communication, no matter what language it is and what, so taking that effort and, you know, sometimes those meetings are an hour, you know, as an interpreter, myself and the employee and the supervisor or something, but wow, it's well worth it if you can retain a great employee and, and smooth out something and maybe you need to change his procedure or, or, you know, maybe it involves another employee and you get them in and you have another meeting or whatever, but, you know, numerous times we've been able to do that. And, 
Right. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We're talking with uh, Walt Moore. He's a dairy farmer and president and general manager of Walmart Holsteins. And we have another follow-up question with you, Walt. How much are you encouraging your non-Spanish-speaking employees to learn Spanish? I mean, you jumped into the pool and learned. How much are you pushing some of your other, your herds managers and people that are working directly with your Hispanic employees to learn Spanish? There's several of my employees. I was trying to think how many taking Katie's class, but but uh, it's probably at around 10 at least. And I would say any of my new hires that are working directly day to day with the Hispanic, I, I basically require them to take uh, Katie's class. We have a deal that if they you know, successfully pass it, we re- reimburse them for that fee and stuff like that. And uh, one of my women that works just start been with me for about a year. She took the basic class, and then I didn't even know it. She signed up for for Katie's second level class and took that. So she's just a sponge. And and for her, it's, she loves to talk to the guys and learn more. And I was just talking to her about it the other day, and she's like, "Now I understand when they say this word in a different tense. I'm starting to get that and things <laughs> like that. It's, it's neat. And and we have a couple long term native Spanish speakers that are just really good with like help and learn both ways. And that's fun. And they're, they're, they want to learn too. They want to learn the English version. So it's, it's really kind of cool. Specifically one of those guys, not with this woman, but with another person that was taking Katie's class, literally he did the vocab lists with that person every day that they got a new list. He would, he would learn the English version of the Spanish, you know, and, and vice versa. So that was really cool. And I think it almost just brings a new camaraderie uh, in the dairy barn, just talking about even learning the Spanish and I, and, you know, developing a relationship that way. So, you know, obvious reasons why learning Spanish can be important to your farm. But Walt, is there still a time that you need to bring in that outside Spanish speaker into the barn. I mean, we talked about how you made kind of a requirement that you're not Spanish-speaking employees learn and take Katie's course. But is there a time where you try to bring a fluent Spanish speaker onto your dairy farm to help facilitate items? Monthly, we have a primarily Spanish staff meeting, and I get an interpreter in for that because I want to be able to communicate. We have the entire crew there. And, you know, I have an agenda things, but then we always ask, you know, are there any problem cows? Are there any cows that need attention that somehow aren't on our, you know, radar otherwise? Are there repairs? You know, are there other things? And it just opens that communication door. And when you fix those things, you validate them and you, and it gives them that, wow, they care. They listen to me and it just engages them better as an employee and, and member of the team. And so we do that, that routinely. When I hire a new person and, and have, I call it startup paperwork, there's all that front-end communication, you know, we're going through the policy manual, you know, doing all their W-4s and 9-9s and those kind of, so I always get someone like that so that I'm confident that all the, you know, we're communicating extremely well there. And, and then other things, I'm lucky that our one of our key veterinarians is bilingual. And so we'll do both, like when we do like a new calving training, like a, uh, or a down cow training or something that we have to do in the FARM program, she does it in both English and Spanish, which is awesome to have that you know, that kind of thing. So we're sure we're getting that, those little details communicated. Yeah, definitely. And Katie, I don't know if you, I mean, you do your online Spanish course, but do you physically ever go to that the farm and be that translator? Or have you heard experiences of other translators going to dairy farms? And what have you heard from that perspective? But my own family dairy, we, uh, that's I, it's part of the reason I got intrigued to go back to school for Spanish was because I, I was um, part of those team meetings at home. And, you know, with that fluent translator coming in, I think it's important. So to answer your question, if, if I do that, I've done it here and there. It's not my favorite thing to do because 
I am not a native speaker. And I think the beauty of, of that is the students that take my course, I've been there. I've been in their shoes of, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared. I'm building confidence at the same time. And so if there is a better option for a farm to bring in a native Spanish speaker, I think that's better because there's, there's still cultural differences there. And I hate to say it, but you know, being a woman and trying to, to do that with native Spanish speakers, it's hard. It's hard. Sometimes they don't take you seriously and you need them to take you seriously because you're there to do a job, right? You're there to help facilitate a team meeting to iron out any problems and and, you know, the other thing with not being a, a native Spanish speaker is there are so many different dialects and different slang terms that I, we, like, I tell people, you know, we don't even know every single word of the English language. So mm -hmm. let alone me knowing every single word, every single dialect of the Spanish language, that's a lot. And I don't know every single dialect and, and things like that. I've done it. I'll do it for farmers in a pinch. It's not my top list thing to do. I would rather teach you the Spanish, the structure so that, you know, you can do what you can on your own before you, you call that person in. Just hearing Katie's response, kind of want to go back to you, Walt. Have you ever had your fluent Spanish speaker come in and you learned something that you didn't know because they were maybe speaking a little bit more? They felt that, that they were comfortable with that fluent Spanish speaker that at the end of the meeting they said, hey, Walt, let's talk about X, Y, Z. Can you share any examples in those well, cases? Yeah, that, that almost always happens. It's like they have they we break up the meeting and they stand out in the hallway and they come back <laughs> one by one and they've got their own little thing they want to talk about. I think last month I was there over an hour beyond what I expected because back to that communication piece I talked about in the beginning and and it, you know it is good I mean we learned things about you know there's a couple of things that we needed to deal with and they didn't want to bring it up in the group and that's fine so it, it takes time but you, you know to, to keep that culture and try and keep everybody moving in the same direction working together it, so Katie, you kind of alluded to this. It's one thing to speak Spanish, but to physically understand the culture and the traditions behind it. Can you share more about the cultures and traditions? I tell people you have more in common with somebody of a different culture of a different country than you realize. Mm -hmm. And one of those main threads is family. And family is huge for Spanish speakers. Also religion, uh, the, the main religion in Latin America and South America is Catholicism. So religion is really important. And then there's holidays that we really need to be cognizant of. And some of those are Day of the Dead, which I think a lot of people, if you don't know a lot about the holiday, people think it's just like a Mexican Halloween, which it could not be further from the truth. That takes place November 1st and 2nd. If you really want a great depiction of Day of the Dead, watch the movie Coco. It's a kid movie, but it is a beautiful depiction of the holiday. And there's a lot of meaning behind it. So Day of the Dead is huge, especially from those from Mexico. Christmas is, is a big one. Easter is also a big one. And then there's also holidays where we think are celebrated there and are not. For example, Cinco de Mayo. I always post about it every year because it's such a huge holiday in the U.S. For Americans celebrate this holiday when they have no idea what they're actually celebrating. And people think, oh, Cinco de Mayo, 5th of May, it must be like our July 4th. It's Mexico's Independence Day. That's not true. Their Independence Day isn't until September. And it's a whole longer and I won't go into it. But if you really dive into the history of Cinco de Mayo, it's a pretty cool story, but it's only celebrated in a little town of Puebla in Mexico. And when you take my class, you learn about that. I love it because I do a discussion board on it. And I ask my students, I'm like, you know, I want you to comment on this after you read these articles about Cinco de Mayo. And a lot of them are like, I had no idea. I had no idea that I was being so ignorant. And, you know, I go out in Cinco de Mayo and I have these margaritas, which to each their own. Again, I'm not telling you not to, but understand really the reason why this is a, a thing. Like understand what happened.
happened in that city of Puebla. And it's as history nerd myself, like when you find out about the ties to the American Civil War, it's pretty phenomenal. It'll blow your mind. But I teach about those because we need to be cognizant of that. And because that all goes back to respect, right? Like understand what you're celebrating. Because one of my students, she worked for, I think, a pharmaceutical company. And she said, you know, Katie, after I read your article, I was going to do this whole like Cinco de Mayo, have a taco truck you know, at my, my work. And she said, it made me really double think, is this appropriate? Should I do this? And you know, my, my suggestion is always, if you're working with Spanish speakers, ask them. They may, may not have a problem, they may, like most of them probably won't, but the very first time I posted about Cinco de Mayo on my Instagram, I had this gentleman, he is from Puebla, Mexico, and he messaged me, private messaged me, and he said, thank you so much for posting about that. He said, I never understood why Americans celebrated this. It's not your holiday. Huh. <laughs> so, and then he invited me to come to Puebla, and I'm like, someday. <laughs> <laughs> It all goes back to, I feel like, <clears throat> my childhood of my mother saying, put yourself in someone else's shoes. When someone starts to connect with you on a cultural or some of your traditions, you're excited to talk about them. But right, we could be offending them in some way when we have no no idea. Walt, what does your farm do to embrace some of that Hispanic culture? I was aware from speaking to some of them about the Day of the Dead, which I'm glad Katie brought up, and then and the Cinco de Mayo thing too. It took me a while longer to catch on to the Cinco de Mayo, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, they kind of just rolled with it, I think, for a little bit. But anyway, some of the things we do, we all we have like a goal board, and we have annual goals, and then we kind of have goals as we make them throughout the year, and we try to have little parties to celebrate that. And when we make kind of a like I'm going to call it a milestone goal for our farm. We have a party and one of the things that we do is go get tacos instead of having pizza or and that kind of thing and we in the area that i farm in we, we have a huge hispanic population and uh so there are very good foods that, that are like what they would get from mexico or guatemala and but my wife goes in and says oh i need 75 or 100 tacos their eyes light up they're like yeah all right so that you know it's a big it's a big day for them too to you know and, and i and it doesn't matter how many she buys they eat them all i don't know how they but anyway it's uh, so that's really cool and they really appreciate that they know that we're kind of going out of our way to do a little extra thing and another thing we've done is or i, I say we I, I, she but we do a thanksgiving meal and because so many of them they can't get back to their families and even though Thanksgiving is technically a U.S. holiday, they recognize what it's about. And and to me, it's about giving thanks, right? It's just taking a pause and saying, hey, you know, we're done the harvest. You know, it's that time of the year. What are we thankful for? And it's a huge deal to just haul, you know, haul everything up to the barn and have it in our, in our conference room and, you know, have a nice dinner and just sit down and everybody talks and chats and no agenda just other than that. And that, that kind of thing is just, you know, kind of neat, I think. Right. So we have a, a few more minutes before we take our break, about two minutes. And one thing when I've talked to some farmers, they've mentioned making sure that your Hispanic employees feel part of the community. And Walt, you kind of mentioned that you have a lot of Spanish speaking people in your community. Can you speak to maybe some of the resources that they have? And then Katie, if you want to follow mm -hmm. up with other farms that you maybe have worked with, whether they have a, a church group or something specific with their school or healthcare, um, I think sometimes we forget that's another way to keep the employees in the community is making sure that they have those outside resources because the farm isn't their everything. Where I'm at in Chester County, we've had a what's called a mushroom capital of the world. So 50% of the fresh mushrooms are grown in this in our county in the U.S. So Hispanic, I mean, it's that that's what really brought such a huge population of Hispanics to our area. Um, so there are churches that are 100% Hispanic. There are churches that do bilingual services. 
We have a lot of community out of Hispana, which is com completely a, a service thing for them. Basically, help them from healthcare all the way through to job placement, all kinds of things. We have places for like can donate clothing and things like that. So, and and tons of restaurants and other things. We have food trucks that go around to different businesses that are their kind of uh, foods. Uh, so, you know, there's just so many things. So we, it's easy and our schools are pretty much set up with, they have uh, teachers that are ESL teachers and things like that, trying to help the students. And so that's really great to have all those, all that. Um, most of the doctor's offices, dentist's office, those things have at least one uh, Hispanic speaking person on staff so they can, you know, work with them and that kind of thing thing so you know it's really just embedded in our culture in this area so mm -hmm. um, which is nice the other thing i will say is we have a one of the guys that's worked for us for several years had uh, two of them but one specifically he they have soccer teams he plays soccer like three nights a week at least you know and they just have a blast with it and it's great for them to be able to you know have that and play with their peers and you know have fun right and katie from your perspective so um, I, we have a lot of the same thing, especially I live in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And uh, one of the coolest things that happened this last year was Gettysburg College is literally right down the street from me. And they did this salsa night at, in the square. Like they, they shut off one of the streets and they had, you know, taco trucks. And it was part of the, they have a Hispanic club and it, it brought out the masses. It, salsa dancing is a huge part of that culture, dancing in general. That's one part. We have churches also that have bilingual services. Um, I tutor five gentlemen from Mexico. They're all from different regions of Mexico. So I teach them English is what I do as I, and they're all adults. They all work on a, on a swine farm actually. And I'd asked the farmer, I said, you know, what, what farm terms do you want me to teach them? And he said, I mean, if they want to learn it, cool. But he said, I want them to learn what they want to learn to be able to be more comfortable living here. I want them to, I want them to be, you know, comfortable here. I want them to like it here. Because we're just like everybody else, you know, just like a dairy farmer is like, I don't want to deal with employee turnover. And I want them to feel like, the, you know, part of the community. So case in point. So I always have a lesson plan when I go to tutor these gentlemen. And, uh, but I always ask when I get there, Hey guys, what do you want to learn in Spanish? Of course. And they went into a target, we needed to try them on, but we had no idea how to say, can I try these on? So that class, we did role play. I was the dressing room attendant and I taught them how to say, can I try these on what you say when, you know, they ask you how many articles of clothing. And then we had to go through, through articles of clothing. <laughs> And, and I'm just like, how, like, I wish more people had that attitude that their employer has of, I want them to be comfortable. So yeah, farm terms are important, but them living here and having a good life and a happy life and them being happy themselves is just as important, if not more important. It's almost like, I feel like we this focus has been on learning Spanish, but it's almost just teaching the, the basics of Spanish and English and just making people feel comfortable and in general, just being a nice person. So thank you so much. We've been talking with Katie Dodder. She's the founder and instructor of Eggvocate LLC, Agriculture Education, and also Dairy Farmer Walt Moore. He's the president and general manager of Walmore Holsteins. We'll dive into where to start with learning Spanish after the break. We will be right back with Dairy Stream after we hear from our sponsor. The Nature Conservancy is a global conservation organization dedicated to conserving the lands and waters on which all life depends. Guided by science, we create innovative, on-the-ground solutions to our world's toughest challenges so that nature and people can thrive together. In Wisconsin, we help farmers improve soil health and protect clean water while sustaining profitability. The Nature Conservancy is also a partner in the Dairy Feed and Focus, an industry-led effort that includes the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy and Syngenta. 
The Dairy Feed and Focus is designed to help farmers adopt climate-smart agricultural practices. To learn more, visit nature.org backslash Wisconsin. The Dairy Stream Podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. Katie and Walt have convinced us that we need to learn Spanish, and our second part is going to focus in on where do we start? You know, Katie, if learning Spanish is a journey, and how should a farmer, one, prepare their mindset with taking the first step to learn Spanish? The mindset, you really just have to have an open mindset. It's it's a very simple answer, but just go in there with, I can't, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm too old for this. So fun fact, your brain doesn't stop developing until you're about 25. So yes, most of my students are um, over the age of 25. However, it's going to require more memorization on our part to learn another language. One of my students who has taken both of my courses and he took my intermediate course twice, I still tutor him to this day every single week for 30 minutes and he is 74. He is my oldest student and he is the example of tenacity and determination. He's like, Katie, I'm going to master this this language. I'm going to just be able to roll it off my tongue like you. And I was like, Rich, I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to be able to do that. I tell people about Rich because I'm like, if my 74-year-old student can do this, you can do this too. So it does take a lot of memorization. You need to have an open mind. You need to laugh at yourself. We talked a little bit in the first part about having some oops moments. You're going to get laughed at but know that they're literally laughing with you because we have things in English that are, you know, vice versa, that are easy to flub, right? And language, it's 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 an ongoing journey. Even for myself, I spent almost the entire month of December in Mexico to, it was not vacation, trust me. It was, was, they were long days because I was going back to school to further my education. We're never done learning anything. So to have that open mindset, a positive attitude, but you also need to take it seriously at the same time. And that being said, I tell my students the very first day of class, if you get out of this course as much as you put into it, it's not just the two hours of instruction that you get a week, which by the way, they're live, but recorded because my students are from coast to coast. I, you know, I can't accommodate milking times, unfortunately. So if you can attend live, cool. If not, I record it and it's posted within 12 hours but you really need to put a little, you need to put more time into it. Make, make those flashcards. You get digital flashcards. I have them already made for you with all of the farm vocab already on them. But if you can take that extra time and, and write them out, put them in the barn, right? So put Spanish on one side, English on the other. So while you're learning the Spanish, your Spanish speakers are also learning English. You can make it fun. That's what I did. That's how I you know, started my journey. So just, it takes memorization and dedication and you really need to ask yourself, okay, what do, what do I want to get out of this? And you don't have to be fluent. That's not what this course is for. I mean, if you, if you do cool, that's awesome. But you know, by week three, we're putting very simple sentences together. Like the cow is sick right now. I'm in week seven. And last week, like it just opened up the, the floodgates for my students when they can ask, Hey, can you work tomorrow? Are you sick? You know, just they're simple sentences, but it goes so far when you're able to, to at least communicate a lot more than you were able to in the past. We also have with us uh, Walt Moore, who's a dairy farmer. Can you speak to your experiences when you first started learning Spanish and what were some of those really big challenges? Absolutely. I, I mentioned earlier, I took a few years in high school, which were many moons back from and, a lot, and mostly forgotten. And then I took a night class, which kind of got me going better. And, uh, and, and just being, you know, having several people in my world that were speaking Spanish and you start to pick up and start to remember. And then I will say when I took Katie's class that it was like the perfect fit because of what she does. I think how, I think her approach to it, how she breaks it down, how she sets it up. But then also, you know, there are a lot of words that we are very specific. You know, she just made example 
you know, is the cow sick? And we were using words, you know, injection, syringe, different things that we are using every day or can use every day. I mean, even, you know, shovel, what's the shovel, you know, and things like that. So, so I think that was really big. And, and her, to her point about, you know, you get out of what you put in. And, and I've seen that with several of the employees that have taken her class, you know, some of them are totally into it and putting a lot of effort, extra effort. And I can see when they're done or using it more, they're more confident, you know, and that kind of thing. And then other ones, yeah, that's helped, but they're kind of, you know, I think it'd be good if they did it again, you know, just to build that confidence up and stuff like that. So there are other tools out there now. I mean, there's like Duolingo and some of these things that if you want to use that and kind of just get a, a every five minutes or 10 minutes every day, just to kind of keep your brain going and learn a new word or two, there's, I think there's things like that that can continue to that path for, so you get to be a rich at 74 and you're still trying to, <laughs> still trying to master it. Now you inspired me, Katie, to try to be a, another rich. So, yeah. Good. <laughs> I also think, you know, we live in this American culture where we want instant gratification, but learning Spanish, you're not going to learn it within a week. I mean, I already heard Katie just mentioned week seven. So you have to think about this as a, a long journey. Katie and Walt, if you could add a little bit more, how long does it take before someone is comfortably speaking Spanish? And uh, you kind of mentioned it earlier, you might not be a fluent Spanish speaker, but you might just be able to get your point across. You know, how long does that take? I think it's really by the person. I mean, I, I think it's individualized. I think, I mean, some people, I think just have a more of a natural gift, you know, whatever that it just comes, it comes easier. Just like some people are a good mechanic or some people are a good cook or whatever. But, but I think it's also has to do with how much are they engaged? How, how important is it to them? I mean, I have employees that are native Spanish speakers that want to learn more English and other ones that they don't want to learn one word of English. So it's, I think you have all uh, levels of that personally. I agree. The first thing I was going to say is everyone's different. I always tell people when you take my course, it's not just learning the language, it's building that confidence. And then in turn, building that respect and building those relationships. So you have to ask yourself, what do I really want out of this? You might not have the best Spanish accent and that's okay. I cannot express this enough, the effort, just showing that effort with, if you've never uttered Spanish around a native Spanish speaker before, and all of a sudden like you walk into a farm and you're like, buenas tardes, you know, good, good afternoon. You should see their faces. They just light up and it just, it makes my heart so happy because they're like, oh my gosh, this gringo is like learning, learning our language. How cool is this? You know, like, so it, it, it's very individual, but it, when you take the course, I always tell people we're putting simple sentences together by week three. And when I say simple, it's like, it is important, right? Es importante. But by week seven, well, week eight, really, you're putting longer sentences together. You understand the, the grammar structure, which by the way, a lot of people will not believe me on this. Well, I think does now. Spanish is easier than English, believe it or not. And when people ask me, Katie, what would you rather teach, Spanish or English? Hands down, Spanish. Mm. <laughs> English is so tough to learn, but we don't know that because we learn that's our native language. Spanish is a lot of fun to learn. I think Walt will attest to. I dance during lessons. I I have songs. Like I try to make it fun. She loves to conjugate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They, they have to tell them tell them this. So yeah, we we conjugate. I think that. That's also week three, right? We're like the floodgates open when we start conjugating and you know how to put verbs together. So this during class, I probably said it like five times. I'm like, I just love Spanish. I just love, I should have a shirt that says I heart conjugating. <laughs> well, wouldn't you know, four days later, I get this package in the mail with a t-shirt that says I heart conjugating. <laughs> From Wall and Company at From Wall Moore Holstein, him and his employees. And to this day, I wear it every single 
time I teach and we're on conjugation because oh. I want my students to feel that enthusiasm. I want them to view this as not an arduous journey, but a fun one. Like you can make it fun. That is very cool. And I think when you're having fun, that's when you're you're learning. But I think about, you know, the consistency and the practice and everything that needs to go in with learning Spanish. Katie, after your class is done and Walt, you finish the class, how do you continue learning and practicing with your employees? Um, what things do you do on the farm and what do you do personally? For me, with having eight or nine employees that are Spanish speakers, it's pretty easy to practice because you just, you just every day you speak with them. And if I don't know a word, I either look it up or I'll go to one of the guys that's more, more fluent in English and say, "Hey, what's this or that?" And then go, you know, speak to the person or whatever. So, you know, I think that that kind of just just keeps keeps building it for me. And the last two that it took that worked for for me that took Katie's class like I would purposely speak to them in Spanish you know just to just to you know and they, and they would laugh and you know we kind of make it fun and you know and just and you know just to, and they would answer me which was perfect you know and and just have a little fun with it and you know if they didn't get it then I'd say it in English but you know whatever just so I think it's I think it's just making that part of your almost daily routine it's helped me a lot people are different have our, our strengths and how we learn I'm more visual and so actually I do better. Like my guys text me a lot and I can actually communicate better through text a lot of times than I can just speaking to them because sometimes the word, like what they say, the word, and I don't understand, but when I read it, I'm like, oh, I know that word. I just didn't understand it. You know, we, we text and that, and that just opens up another whole floodgate of communication. I mean, they send me pictures of what's wrong and this or that, or, you know, something and, or things that need attention. And so I think that's, you know, it's just another way to really communicate. And so many of our guys are 30 years younger or younger. So they're, that's their world. I mean, they're very comfortable and using that kind of form of communications. Katie, you mentioned almost putting flashcards around the farm. Is there any other advice that you have with continuing to practice when you're not in the classroom setting anymore? So I give a bunch of different tools at the end of my classes, whether that's beginners or intermediate, of like, hey, this is how you can continue to progress. Hands down, what Walt said, if you have a group of Spanish speakers that you can practice with um, on a regular basis, that's your best bet. I know that's not feasible for everybody. There's a bunch of apps. Like I like Duolingo. I like FluentU, Babbel I've done. But the thing with those apps is, you know, you're not getting that ag specific vocabulary like you do in my class. The flashcards are a great way. I mean, just keep practicing, even if it's just sitting down and writing out conjugations so you don't forget it. Because if you don't, we have a, a quote, if you will, in the Spanish teaching profession, because I used to teach in the high school also. And it's, uh, if you don't use it, you will lose it. And it's very, very true. And that happened to me. I knew a lot of Spanish and then started my own dairy farm. And I think you can imagine that it just kind of went out the window. That was before I had a team of, of Spanish speakers, but just ongoing practice. And I know not everybody can spend a month in Mexico go but I have I'm very fortunate that I've surrounded myself with native speakers in like my inner circle and they know that I want to practice so they'll they'll test me and sometimes I don't like it but <laughs> I know it's it's for the best <laughs> right in the first part Katie we talked a little bit about the different dialects and slang you know when it comes to learning Spanish can you speak to some of the more common dialects and slang that you use in the egg industry in Mexico alone there are 350 dialects, some of which are indigenous. So there is no way that I can, you know, teach every single dialect. And we have to remember too, that slang is part of every language. For example, you know, in the North, we call soda, soda. In the South, somebody might ask you if you want to pop and you're like, a what? I teach what I call basic Spanish and I'm using air quotes because while it's 
in high school, if you took a high school class, you were learning the Spain version, which I don't know about any of you, but I have yet to encounter anybody in the ag industry from Spain, from different countries of Latin America. Absolutely. So that's what I focus on. So I actually don't teach what we call the Vosotros form because that's not what we use here in the U.S. with the with the workforce that we have. So there's going to be various words of, of things. For example, pipe. I teach three three ways how to say pipe: pipa, tuberia, and tubo. But I tell people, I was like, the best thing you can do is ask the Spanish speakers that you're working with, "Hey, how do you say this?" And that's the very first phrase you learn in my my very first classes. Como se dice? How do you say? And I'm like, you can do what you're trying to ask, you know, things like that. But what I teach is the basic Spanish where most native speakers are going to be able to understand what you're trying to communicate. And learning the grammar and sentence structure is just as important as vocab, right? Like you can just blurt out vocabulary, but to together into a sentence is important. And especially this this is a cultural language thing. We flip-flop things. We say fresh cow in Spanish, it's cow fresh, which sounds weird to us, but that's just how we do it in Spanish. Uh, we, we've been focusing in on Spanish, but also it's important that our Spanish-speaking employees learn English. And I know I've heard Walt say a few times, I have some employees that say, I'm not learning English. How do you navigate that territory? And how much should you be encouraging your Spanish-speaking employees to learn English? And Walt, I'll maybe have you go first. And Katie, if you want to comment on that. I certainly want to encourage them to at least keywords, you know, if to try to communicate things that are, you know, really important to get across or at least get our attention. Uh, you know, it goes back to some folks just, they are just nervous about it or they have no interest or what have you. And then there's other ones. I have employees that heart are more shy. They don't speak a lot at all. And I think they know no English. And then all of a sudden they come out with this whole English sentence and I'm like, wow. So, <laughs> you know, you know, it, 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 it's, it has surprised me more than once that how, how much they do speak. And I call my Spanish Spanglish, you know, a lot because it's the guys that I speak uh, regularly to become, you know, sometimes I can't, I'm stuck on a word. And a lot of times they know what I, the rest of the sentence, they know where I'm going and they'll say it for me or, or, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's, you do enough communication together. You, you figure out a way to, to get it communicated, whether it's partially Spanish, partially English or, and vice versa, you know, they're trying their best in English and then they get, they'll finish the sentence in Spanish or whatever. And you kind of figure it out. So. And Katie, from your perspective, so my whole mantra with what I do in within Agvocate is we need to meet in the middle uh, to help overcome the language barrier. So that's us learning some Spanish, but that's also our, our workforce learning some English. And again, I'm not asking either side to be super fluent, but let's come together, you know, and again, that's more than the language. It's respect. It's working together. It's those relationships. And like, I have to tell you, I hate it when somebody tells me, well, they live here, they should learn English. And I tell them, you know what, Google what the official language is of the U.S. You will find that we do not have one and for a reason. And it's because the U.S. has been known for years as the melting pot, the salad bowl, whatever analogy you want to put with it, where we are accepting of all types of, of immigrants, of all types of people, of all types of cultures. And I'm not saying that's an excuse not to learn English because I, you know, that's obviously what we, we speak the majority here. Again, English is a super hard language to learn. And I, it goes to Walt's point too of the confidence factor. And I see that in my Spanish students. And so it's, it's not just learning that language, but it's, it's learning to have that confidence in order to apply the skills that you've learned. And I, I will say I am currently creating and we'll be adding English course options 
as soon as I can. I'm a one woman show right now. So um, it's been a goal of mine because they do. Spanish speakers, most of them do want to learn English. They want to be comfortable here. And the best that we have been able to offer our workforce in the last two decades is, oh, here's a community college, but at a super inconvenient time. And to learn non-relatable, applicable English to what you do, like that that has never made sense to me. So I, we need to do a better job. And I'm like, you know what? I'm also ESL certified. And I, I love, you know, the, the gentleman that I teach right now. I can't, I wish I could, I could do that to, with so many farms, but I just can't. So solution to that in my mind is to offer an online course, kind of like what I'm doing now. I don't think that they're not going to be live, but they're just going to be different modules that they'll be able to choose from. Like, you know what? I already know the alphabet. Let me jump into numbers. Let me jump into, you know, small phrases. So I am working on that and I'm hoping to get that established here in, in 2023. That's great. And now just to wrap up our episode, what advice, and Walt, we'll start with you. What advice do you have for someone starting the journey of learning Spanish? That's easy. Take Katie's class. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. I love it. No, I mean, honestly, if, if they're in the dairy world, and of course, you know, I don't, <laughs> I have my experience, but what she does is just great. And she just mentioned it, you know, it's not just taking a, a Spain Spanish class to community college. It is very specific to what you're doing. I was just flashing back as we're talking here to when I took the class and she brought up, you know, three words for two. I can remember you know, every time, like we would be like, oh, our guys call a shovel this or a this, that. And, and, and she would like, she would just add it to the vocabulary list because to her point, there's so many different dialects that at least then more people within the class say, oh, our guys say it that way, not the way Katie was saying or whatever, you know? So I think that, I think that's key in, in continuing as Katie said, she continues to learn along with, with us because there, there is so many, you know, with her students, because there are, there are so many ways to speak so many of these things. So that seriously, I think I definitely would encourage you to do something. I have to tell you too, like your first vocabulist in my, my class, Walt, if you remember is you learn how to say cow, heifer, bottle, bucket, shovel. Like we're, we're doing real world stuff here. I mean, we're also doing colors because how important is it to specify to somebody, you know, red leg bands, green leg bands, things like that. So the advice that I have for someone starting the journey, one, have a positive attitude, be ready to have some fun because I hardly do anything that's not fun. (laughs) Don't take yourself too seriously, but instead what you should take seriously is your dedication to the language. Again, I'm not asking to be fluent. You're never too old to learn a language. Laugh at yourself. You're going to mess up. And I I tell my students from the get-go, I want you to make mistakes because that is how you learn. I know that sounds super cliche, but it it really is. I don't look for perfection. I look for effort as, as your instructor. So it's a lot of fun. You should join us. Great advice. That was Katie Dodditer. She's the founder and instructor of Agvocate LLC in agriculture education. We also had Walt Moore. He is the president and general manager of Walmore Holsteins. Take your farm to the next level and learn Spanish. We're proud to bring you different resources that are going to make your farm better. Thank you again to the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative for hosting Dairy Stream. And make sure you stay with us for our next episode. I'm Joanna Guza. You've been listening to Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, email us at podcast at dairyforward.com.